Well, it's such a delight to be with you. Thank you so much, Malcolm, for the invitation to be here and to uh, preach today. The uh, prophecy we just heard read from the prophet Haggai was given on the 18th of December, 520 BC, which is a long time ago. It is in the Old Testament sections of our Bibles. And when we read the Old Testament, it's good to think of the Old Testament as kind of primary school and the New Testament as secondary school. There are some basic things you need to learn in primary school before you get ready for secondary school. So let's go back to the primary school message of Haggai and then think of the secondary school kind of New Testament understanding of what's in the prophet. Well, I live with two dogs, uh, Bertie and Beatrice, uh, and they're not very good at house cleaning. But Bertie is quite good because he's a very small dog with a long beard, and so when he's picking up crumbs, he tends to dust the floor, and I just take him outside and wave him a bit, and all the dust falls off. He's eaten the crumbs, and uh, so the fl- my floors are quite clean, but the but the oven gets very dirty, and so I decided, lived in the house for 10 years, it was time to clean the oven. I don't, if you pamper them and clean them each week, they just get dirty, so I leave it for 10 years and do a proper job. I don't like these things you, you know, make a dreadful noise and stuff like that and smell, so I took all the trays out and washed them and then had to wash them again and then put my head in the oven. It's not a gas oven, by the way, so there was no danger. Uh, And to to kind of uh, get in and clean it. There was lots of... I don't know how all the dirt gets there, but anyway, it was very, very dirty. So by the time I'd finished, the kitchen was absolutely filthy. Uh, I'd put on an apron very wisely. That was filthy. But I was filthy too because I'd had my head in the oven, so I had sort of that gunky stuff all through my hair. So I put the, uh, I cleaned the kitchen and then I put the apron in the wash and then I went upstairs and had a shower. And by the time I'd finished my shower, the shower was dirty as well. And the towel was dirty, so I had to wash that. And the point is that dirt tends to spread. And that's exactly what the priests told Haggai the prophet. In the Old Testament, the priest's job was to interpret the law. So if you want to know if something was right or wrong, you go to the temple, say to the priest, is it, what happens if I do this? Is it right to do this or not? So here's Haggai. Uh, Ask the priest for ruling. If one carries consecrated meat, that is holy meat, meat ready to be offered to God in the fold of one's garment and with the fold touches bread, stew or wine or oil, any kind of food, does, does that become holy? And the answer is no, it doesn't. So holiness is not transmitted. But by way of contrast, Haggai said, if one who is unclean, ritually unclean, that is, by contact with a dead body touches any of these things, does it become unclean? The priest answered, yes, it becomes unclean. Holiness is not easily caught. Uncleanness is easily transmitted. So
So then Haggai's message is, So it is with this people and with this nation before me, says the Lord. And so it is with every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. See what he's saying? The people are unclean, so all the things they do are unclean. And even the offerings they offer God are unclean because they are unclean. And has God warned the people of their uncleanness? Yes. Before a stone was placed upon a stone in the Lord's temple, how did you fare? When one came upon a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you, God says, with all the products of your toil, with blight and mildew and hail, yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. So there was a time of great uh, poverty and people thought they had enough and there wasn't enough. Why? Because God had struck them. You think, well, how unkind of God to strike them. But of course it was an act of mercy, wasn't it? God was trying to say, think what's happening to you. Think the kind of people you are. Reflect on it. We think how unkind of God to send poverty. But actually in the Old Testament, poverty was a warning to the people that they had departed from God's ways. It is amazing, isn't it, how often people say, you know, this, this person or this nation is so wicked, it's a wonder God doesn't act and strike them down. And then when God does act in the world, people say, how dare God interfere? It's very hard being God. It's hard to win. If you do something, you're in trouble. If you don't do something, you're in trouble. So their poverty is a sign of God's judgment and of God's mercy. It is a warning and an invitation to repent. And the last verse of this section of uh, verse 19 of Haggai chapter 2 uh, is, is, a, is a cheering message. From this day on, I will bless you. That is... The people will repent and God will bless them. Well, that's the basic message of Haggai chapter 2. How then do we think about this in terms of the New Testament? The ideas are similar, but they're changed around a bit. Uh, listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 10. For it is by God's will that we have been sanctified or made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So what a powerful death Jesus died. That Jesus' death sanctifies us, makes us holy. Jesus' death is so powerful that it makes unholy people holy. So in this case, dirt and uncleanness are not all-powerful, but God's love and grace and mercy and compassion in the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood shed on the cross are able to make people holy. It is by God's will that we've been sanctified 
through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. If you like, in the Old Testament, uh, dirt and uncleanness are contagious. In the New Testament, holiness is contagious. One of the uh, Old Testament themes was of the uncleanness of lepers. So if you were a leper, uh, if someone touched you, they became ritually unclean. So you had to wander around calling out unclean to warn other people away. And uh, people who were lepers were, like Malcolm, separate from the rest of the congregation. Okay. Now, a leper came to Jesus, Mark chapter 1. And he said, if you choose, you can make me clean. What an extraordinary statement of faith. Jesus said to him, I do choose, be made clean. And immediately he was made clean. What a clean man Jesus was. He had so much cleanness in him that he could say to a leper, be clean. And he was made clean. His leprosy was healed. Isn't that powerful? Powerful holiness, powerful cleansing power made him make a great advertisement, wouldn't it? These these detergents don't make any difference to your clothes, but Jesus makes people people clean. Isn't that extraordinary? But if the New Testament has a wonderful message about the cleansing power of Jesus, it also has a frightening message about the depth of our uncleanness. In Mark chapter 7, some of the Pharisees complained to Jesus that his disciples were eating food without the appropriate cleansing activities beforehand. Do you remember Jesus' words? Listen, there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. It is from within, out of the human heart, that evil intentions come. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So in the Old Testament, uncleanness is a kind of surface external problem. In the New Testament, uncleanness is a deeply internal and personal problem. And you see, even if you raise a child and protect them from all the uncleanness and the dirt in the world around them, their internal selfishness will still emerge, won't it? And their desire to manipulate the world for their own benefit. And that's the great difficulty we have, isn't it? That uh, not only do temptations attack us from without, but we are betrayed from within. I find advertisements so frustrating because every advertisement you watch is designed to make you feel dissatisfied with your life and think that if only you buy this product, you'll all of a sudden end up on a beach with a group of attractive people about 45 years younger, having a wonderful time and not doing anything. Or, I love the ones for cars. They say, you know, buy this car, and here's the picture. You'll be driving through the outback, nobody else on the road going a zillion miles, miles an hour, and you'll, you'll be the envy of everybody. Well, this is the reality. If you buy the wretched car, you'll sit in traffic, as you do with your present car for most of your life. But you see, advertisements are so seductive and powerful because they appeal to something within us. If only I could change my life by buying a new car, 
If only I could become beautiful by buying this shampoo. I've tried many shampoos and none of them work, I tell you. (laughs) Nothing happens. Look, the bottle has a person with wonderful head of hair and I drink the bottle and I pour it on my head and what happens at the end? Nothing. Zilch. I even bought an American Express card once because I thought that will make me important. Well, it didn't. It just meant that I was sent a bill every month by the American Express people. But we fall for these things, for these ideas, because of the, our dis- internal distortion. We're from, betrayed from within. Our moral compass is askew. We have the wrong desires, the wrong needs, the wrong wishes. Jesus says all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. But that's not the end of the story. We read in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, if we walk in the light as he himself, that is Jesus, is in the light, the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Is that not amazing? The blood of Jesus, the power of his death, not only brings us forgiveness for all our sins, but cleans us on the inside from the effects of those sins. Is that not a miracle? Is that not extraordinary? Is that not wonderful? A friend of mine led his father to Christ when his father was about to die. And his father spent the next 12 hours telling his son everything he'd done wrong during his life. And asking if God had forgiven that sin and that sin and that sin and that sin. The son was able to say, yes, he's forgiven that sin and made you clean. He's forgiven you that sin and made you clean. He's forgiven you that sin and made you clean and as a matter of fact he's forgiven you all the sins you've forgotten about and made you clean the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin I wonder if you remember your past sins I remember my 16th birthday my grandmother whom I loved dearly came for the meal And I swore unintentionally midway through the meal. Uh, Now, my grandmother was a whiskey-drinking Irish woman of an expensive vocabulary, so nothing I could say would shock her. But when I think of what I said, I still still feel the blush, you know. I I, I just can't, can't forget it. But has... Jesus cleansed me of that sin. Yes, he has. I was at an ordination in Glasgow, uh, sitting with the rest of the clergy, and the minister next to me, we were very close together, he said, I'm a murderer. So I edged away uh, rather cautiously. And he said, yes, I I murdered a man when I was 17, and I went to prison. A good thing I went to prison, he said. And I became a Christian, and then I felt called to the ministry, so I studied in prison, and then when I left... I'm a minister, but he said, I'm a second-rate minister because I'm a murderer. I said, no, no, Paul was a murderer. He murdered Christians, and God made him an apostle. 
And then more significantly, I said, the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all your sin. You think of yourself as a murderer. God doesn't. He thinks of you as a saint. Mind you, he can't undo the murder. We talked about that. If he met the family, he'd still murdered their son. That would still be true. God doesn't remove the consequences, but he removes the dirt. You might think the message of this sermon is escape contamination. Well, no, it isn't, as a matter of fact. It is pursue holiness. I remember the first time I uh, come from a non-Christian family, I read Ephesians, where Paul says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather labor with his hands to give to those in need. I thought, what a brilliant piece of advice. Rather than the thief thinking, I must not steal today, get the thief busy working hard so he can give rather than steal. Do you see? So rather than thinking we have to wander around avoiding contamination, let's wander around thinking we are embracing and receiving the holiness of Jesus. And we ourselves are pursuing holiness. And if we are embracing and receiving the cleansing holiness of Jesus, if that is shaping and changing our life every day, if we're loving that every day, and if we're pursuing holiness ourselves, then we will, of course, avoid contamination. Not because we're frightened, but because we're passionate about being like, being holy, like God is holy. We're passionate about being transformed by the powerful blood of Jesus to be more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Please don't think you are in neutral Please see yourself as aiming towards something, not running away from contamination, but pursuing holiness with heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then you'll know that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, and you will cleanse your hands and purify your hearts and humble yourself before the Lord. May God in his mercy do this miraculous work in your life and for the rest of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all just stand and sing a song of reflection that I think will help us to reflect on Peter's words to us today.